Jesus, it's packed. Yeah, go down the back there, so. Welcome to the Snog with Richie and Lavin. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Snug Podcast. My name is Richard Loftus. And I'm Lavin. Uh, uh, this is a podcast from the West Coast of Ireland where we interview uh, people from all walks of life about their their passions, their interests, their side hustles, and uh, everything in between. Um, how are you? What's the crack? I'm great. How are you? How, 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 how is yourself? Um, in the nice weather, myself and Nash, a friend of ours, uh, in about a week and a half, we caught about 100 mackerel. Oh, nice. Yeah, fishing off a of Parkmore Pier, which was fantastic. Uh, we did a little bit out Blackhead down in Conor Clare, and I went out on a sailboat with my buddy Tanifa, and we caught a few there as well. But it was nice. It was a nice season for, for catching mackerel, you know. Uh, the, for uh, those who don't know, Tanifa is from, uh, he's a Kiwi, isn't it? Yes. And uh, what's Tanifa? What? The nickname for, his it, name is Paul, like, you know? Yeah, but yeah. Tanifa is what we call him. Yeah. Uh, it's a, I guess it's a, a New Zealand... Um, Either malevolent or benevolence, like guardian spirit of waters, I think. Oh, right. But I, 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 it can be either or. I think it could be. I don't know the the, the mythology behind it, so I don't want to go too far into it. <laughs> but um, and, uh, we, we call him he, the Tanifa. And how did he just come? Who started calling him that? Uh, our buddy Christian Cody started calling him the Tanifa. I think he watched. There was a video that was filmed in New Zealand, and there was a character in it, like a guy who started calling himself the Tanifa. Okay. And our buddy Christian Cody's like, ah, it's Paul. We call him the Teddy Fan. <laughs> and so we call him the Teddy Fan now. But uh, Paul was like, yeah, living. You want to go out and catch a couple of mackerel today? I was like, yeah, absolutely. That sounds fantastic. Let's do it. Went out in the sailboat. And um, by the time it, <laughs> we got a load of fish with the broken rod. But the time um, when, when, when we came in back into Canvara Bay, the wind had died down. It took us three hours to get back in. Oh, shit. And the very last bit of the way, we had to, like, Teddy Fat had to oar the sailboat in. <laughs> oh, man. He's a big boy, though. So yeah, yeah. He's probably well able I to offered that. to help, but he's like, no, nah, it's all right. I'll got it. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but today... Joined by um, head chef of the G Hotel, um, Dominic Majeki. Welcome, Dom. How are you? Hey, guys. Not how you doing, Dom? You found the place all right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, thanks to Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you're the head chef of um, the G Hotel. You're our first uh, culinary guest, so it's a slight departure for us now. But you know, we'll see how we get on. Uh, but you're originally from uh, Lavelle in uh, northwest France. Is that correct? It is. Yeah, a uh, place close to Brittany. For all the ones that's want to try to put it on the map yeah is, is it not it's not in britain you know it's like it's not it's just on the edge so okay. uh, it's kind of a as a department where i'm from you have Brittany on one side you've we're in the pays de la loire and then just in the corner we're in normandy as well so okay. it's kind okay. of a nice melting pot of all the corners of would you have breton in, in you yourself uh, I'm close enough now. Yeah, my parents enough. moved even closer to uh, yeah to the line, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what you call man? Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Majeki, that's a that's Polish origin. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. Uh, so my grandfather's family moved over during the war. So yeah, there okay. was mines near where my parents live now at the moment. So they all moved to the mines. That's what they knew. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And uh, so 
where did you get you start off with the, uh, the the cooking book i know is it right your 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 grand uncle was a baker did he have an influence on you or? yeah so in the family we have uh my grandfather was a baker he passed away when i was very young okay um but all the families that was together as it was bakers they were yeah a few people in the industry and they all stayed in touch with the family so as we grew up obviously my grand uncle who uh passed away last year was a baker Sorry. and he was the biggest influence probably on me and then because we're french yeah. everybody cooks yeah <laughs> of course you know so, so it's not a stereotype it's actually no it's true, not a stereotype yeah. it's it's true now is it dying a bit more nowadays maybe a little bit because you know everything has evolved and cooking become a lot easier for a lot of people mm -hmm. yeah uh but the markets are still there you know and i remember being young and even now going home the big thing is like oh let's go to the market on a tuesday and go to the market there's a big market on the saturday there's actually two markets in the city where i'm from so yeah it's going you pick your own vegetables you know you're gonna see the fish there on the stalls and how can you not love or want to cook when you see all of this oh of yes. course yeah so you pick your own product and you know the bugs come like this you sit down on a sunday or even on the saturday and the saturday used to be like you know you're coming back from the market and you're gonna eat the stuff that you collected straight away from the market that's easy to cook because saturdays are busy wherever you go in the world saturdays is, is always busy but the sunday is really the chill out day okay where it's family and especially in france in where in my family uh it was a big sunday dinner so everybody would go to my grandparents farm and everybody would cook so oh wow that's great granny would have been cooking on the stove there from the morning <laughs> you know everybody comes along but everybody comes along with something so yeah you might have cooked something or you you'll bring the dessert to uh, to the table or you'll bring something so everybody gets involved yeah it's great and they were gardens when i grew up so yeah you'd go into the garden in the summer and you pick the green peas and you know you preserve for the winter and yeah yeah it's really cool like i, I like just doing my due diligence on this before so Laval is kind of would it be correct to say there's like a, a lot of woodland around so there's like a lot of game and stuff as well there's a few woodlands yeah uh games yeah i knew a few people hunting more like small games yeah rather than the big ones of course yeah. But a lot of rivers so a lot of river fish uh not too far from the coast yeah you're only a couple of hours from the coast but uh you're in Brittany, so a lot of pigs a lot of cows uh, one of the biggest dairy company is based in Laval. Okay. Uh, they are called Lactalis nowadays. Uh, they were beignet. They are, you know, all the products that you see, President, the cheese. And yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's where it's based from. Oh, okay. So oh. they grew massive and they bought out a lot of like Roquefort and a lot of, a lot of cheeses company over the years. And mm. they have a lot of yogurt companies as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So massive dairy area. Um, to the don't initiate it here now so i suppose every region's cuisine is slightly different depending on what, where the produce comes from is that correct would it you say is, yeah yeah so would uh say that the northwest of france be vastly different what's being cooked in like the southeast and oh completely yeah. yeah 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 um it's funny because laval because of where we're situated between Brittany, normandy so we have a little bit of everything. So you have the apples from Normandy, you know, a lot of pigs in Brittany as well. Um, so our cooking is quite different from everywhere else as well, okay. which is nice. 
Uh, but yeah, growing up, you've got cider, you've got Calvados, you've got, you know, your fresh water fish, you've got your sea fishes. It's, yeah, it's a big melting pot, but it's really nice. Yeah. Down in the south, you'll be more, okay, I'm more cream and butter. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> you might notice. <laughs> <laughs> Food is good. <laughs> but, you know, in the south, they are more olive oil and they are more, you know, they have different fruits and veg. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they have more sun. We'll say Brittany or Laval for more kind of Irish weather in the winter. We have more rainy mm -hmm. and yeah. autumn is a proper autumn. Now, summer is a proper summer as yeah. compared to here. Mm. You know, we don't like, have Julember, we have like July. We have right now. <laughs> 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 yeah. So uh, now saying this, this year was terrible. So, but yeah, we usually had a good summer. So we have a good season and you've got more fruits and you've got more vegetables and yeah yeah so it wasn't a big surprise to the folks say when you said you wanted to pursue this as like a, a career <laughs> or yeah, was it? <laughs> it, it no no it wasn't uh, i always loved food and we always had friends in the family with uh, restaurants and stuff so i was always intrigued and always wanted to know you know i remember at my communions when i was young going into the kitchen just because it was one of dad's friends and it was in his restaurant and was like yeah i want to go in the kitchen yeah <laughs> and have a look while all the kids were probably playing outside yeah yeah <laughs> i was like oh who is he oh is the cummy is that a crab i was like hold on i'll grab the crab Cummy is running away <laughs> well you know like it's yeah it's all i think it was always in me at some point yeah oh nice and um so you studied then um and so just get this out of the way my French pronunciation is going to be horrendous <laughs> all the way through this. So you, you uh, what did you do in school? You didn't do French. I did German. You did German. I German. Wunderbar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my fucking German is shite. Yeah. Well, to be honest with you. I was supposed to be doing Spanish, but I wasn't paying attention. Did you do Spanish in Gort? Wasn't you? paying attention. Yeah, but oh. everyone else is doing French, I guess. Yeah. Half the school is doing French, half is doing Spanish. But sure, I don't fucking. I'm just terrible at languages, really. Yeah. To be honest with you, like. No. English is easiest because I know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of, you studied... Uh, I studied in Laval, yeah. There is yeah. a couple of schools in Laval. I studied in Laval. Um, funny enough, I am now getting students from my old school to come. Oh, on really? Yeah. What, yes, what style do. cooking are they teaching? They're teaching cooking, yeah, waiters. Um, you know, to put it in a certain... It's a vocation. Yeah. In France, rather than here or lot, uh, it could be just a summer job. Of course, being yeah. a waiter, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. It brings money, yeah. um, and it's great to see loads of students getting involved. I think they develop a lot of skills as well, uh, either being kitchen porter or being in the restaurants, you know, working as a waiter or trying your hands as being a chef. You develop a lot of skills that you'll yeah. need for the rest of your life. There'll be social skills or. You know, you might develop bad habits too, but look, that's fun as a story. <laughs> but, you know, it's, there is a lot of things that you develop while you're working in the industry. That in France, it's a vocation. It's, you're yeah. going to build your career into being a waiter. You know, yeah. you're going to start from the bottom and you're going to be, you're trying to achieve, you know, maybe it's working in a Michelin star restaurant or yeah. maybe it's being manager of a hotel or manager of a restaurant. Yeah. That you don't seem to see as much on this side. Also, because maybe in France, you start from a young age. You can start when you're 16. Okay. Yeah, you start in the industry when you're going to university. So there's a big gap and a big difference between the two. 
So even when you were um, studying then, when here we go again, Notre Dame de la Misericorde. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pronounce that correctly for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it was Notre Dame de la Misericorde. Yeah, right. it's now Haute Folies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one. <laughs> yeah, I know that one. Um, they changed their name to Haute Folies um, because they were taken out by a bigger school. Because, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but just look. They still arrive. Yeah. <laughs> so during that train, and then they kind of sent you to um, the south of France. Then you were in a Mission Star restaurant down there for a time. Is that correct? Yeah, I did training into a Mission Star restaurant. I did training around my own area as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I traveled, so we traveled a bit, uh, being sent into different places and stuff. And I worked in Paris as well one summer, just because I could. Yeah. Um, but then. We didn't have the social media that we have now, so it was easier to just go and Disappear. you know if you want to learn about something, you have to go there. Oh, yeah. you're mm-hmm. not gonna go on Google like it is now, and you do have all the platforms that you have now where you can go online. And why am I gonna go over there when I can follow those guys on yeah exactly on yeah. Instagram and YouTube no, so has it all. To, we had to get the bugs, and I think fair play to our lectures, they, they put the bugs in us to go, lads. If you want to learn. The local guys are very good, but you need to go out there and sell yourself and yeah. off you go and see what it's like out there and discover the world for yourself. So, And did, did you find, because even when you're starting off in the kitchen, I just know, I know from, I did it for a few years myself, you know, it's bloody hard work. It is. Um, and did you f- see there was a much um, uh, difference between working in your local um, restaurants in Laval compared to the, this place that had a Michelin star or is it the same kind of thing it's the same kind of I know um, you go up in Calibos like obviously the demands yeah. is much higher from the guests even here look I've worked in three Michelin star I've worked in three star hotels five star hotels I've worked in restaurants you know the demands is different from the customers that you get Okay, yeah. so the work is going to be harder obviously mm-hmm. you know but the experience is different you know, in the local restaurant, in the local restaurant, uh, working for the local guys, you know, I'm going home at night. Yeah. And uh, when I was in the south of France, you know, you're going home if you want into the staff accommodation with another 25 guys and <laughs> yeah. you're all sharing a dorm and yeah, that's a yeah. different life, you know, yeah. oh, but man. it's good crack. Like when one decides to go out and you go, oh, I'm tired. No, no. 25 are going out that's it <laughs> you're not going to sleep in your corner because at five o'clock in the morning when everybody go back yeah oh, you're going to be awake anyway so. yeah yeah, yeah look they're different experience and they're the ones that builds your characters and builds you know who you're going to be in the future i think it's quite yeah. important yeah so how come you uh, what was the initial um what was the initial reason for leaving um france then I had the travel bug. I uh-huh. wanted to go. Yeah. yeah, you know where did you go? So funny. We, we had the conversation when we went back. I went back to France in the summer. So I'm like, oh, you remember how you went to Ireland? I'm like, yeah, back in the days. So we had a mini argument of was there a computer in the house at the time? <laughs> <laughs> you know, look, it was it was 2000. Yeah, yeah. So that was 23 years ago. I've I've been here 23 years, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was like. Was there a computer in there? Yes, it was a computer in there. And remember, the dial-up, yeah. <laughs> the dial-up phones. Yeah, there was a computer. Here. We all um, remember that computer. 
Oh, there was one yeah, computer and, uh, and uh, all the digits but look the one computer in Ireland we remember it <laughs> in the year 2000 <laughs> we um, all watched the countdown on the telly <laughs> is it gonna bug <laughs> yeah um, and that bug never actually happened never the millennium bug oh yeah the planes were gonna fall from the sky at one stage isn't it yeah they said the satellites are gonna fall out of the sky Jesus Christ well look no we di- I dialed up on the internet look I put my CV up there was a few websites at the time um there was a few offers, even in far away, Switzerland and stuff. And it was like, you know what? I need to improve my English if I wanted to go okay, travel yeah. further. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was like, oh, this is a French guy in Ireland. He's like, oh, why don't you come and try? Like, so Ireland is what, an hour and a half in the plane. Pack the bag, let's go. <laughs> so yeah, over the space of a week, I uh, got my results for my exams. I got my driving test and oh, okay. I got my plane tickets and see you later, guys. I've got everything I need. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and 23 years on. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, I moved over to the other side. I was in Beristan when I first arrived. In, uh, in, all right, okay. You're yeah, over there. Yeah, just above Dublin. Yeah, yeah. under Jordan. So I still have very good friends from there. Um, you were there for long? I was there for a year. Yeah, nearly two years. Yeah, it was two summers anyway. Yeah. Um, and then I moved away. I went. I took a train ticket to the next place, and that was Galway. Oh uh, yes. So <laughs> there you go. Oh, wow. I arrived in Galway. Uh, I can't say the rest was history because I moved around a bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, obviously I met Aiden, and then you know went down to Limerick and spent a bit li- of time in Limerick. Were you living in Limerick as well I for did, a time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did because Aiden was finishing um, studying in university. So yeah. we stayed in Limerick for a while. We went to France while she was in Erasmus in France. One of my old manager was setting up his restaurant about two hours away. So I ah. said, okay, I'll come down. And I'll give you a round. Perfect. So I did six months Erasmus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back home. Back home <laughs> in the east of France. <laughs> Discover something new, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's grand. Um, and then we came back to Ireland. Yeah. Um, then did another spell in Ireland for a bit, you know. Ackle, Dublin. Worked in a restaurant in Dublin. I think that's where I met you the first time in Ackle, actually. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> possibly, yeah. <laughs> in that fucking house. I think I brought everybody that was yeah. in the Galway to Ackle for the summer. Yeah, Jesus, it was in the arse end of nowhere, actually, yeah. as well. It was, uh, Jesus. it was just like this tit- little tiny shed that you were all kind of... Uh, Jill was with us yeah. uh, for, uh, for summer as well. Yeah. So, yeah, good crack. And then we moved to Dublin. In Dublin, uh, that's when we decided to travel the world. So we went to Australia, we traveled, we went around the world, traveled Southeast Asia and stuff. And when we were in Australia, we were like, what do we do? Where do we go back? Yeah. I was like, well, all the lads are in Galway. So <laughs> <laughs> let's go back and see the lads. <laughs> we'll figure it out after. And then, yeah, yeah. you are, what, 15 years on and we're still in Galway. So yeah, there you go. And was there, was there any place when you were traveling around the world, what, what, which cuisine kind of sparked your interest the most? It was funny because we went to India and we discovered something really, really new where I wasn't really eating spicy. Yeah. I wasn't really going towards spices, but my Torians grew for spices. Mm-hmm. And when you travel there, it was very much... Spices want spicy, if you know what I mean. It was discovering spices to a different level. You're dis- discovering spices, but 
it's not heat it's just different flavors mm. yeah yeah so your palate just develops as you're traveling along and we traveled you know for a month in in india and we went up and down and we discovered different cuisine different spices and different level of spiciness also and then we went to southeast asia where you discover different flavor but also different level of spices yeah <laughs> you know thailand is really really spicy oh yeah you got caught you got caught a few times and it was oh, funny did you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm sure you will like yeah yeah <laughs> oh that looks really really nice i'm gonna have the weird stuff that goes there <laughs> and yeah that's gonna burn yeah, then for you're a while. <laughs> yeah we were there in fucking april or whatever and you know just some meals you get and you're like oh this is fine and then it's another one and it's like oh fuck you yeah. know i'm in trouble i can't eat any of this yeah chloe doesn't have a great um tolerance for heat no. but um yeah I'm, I'm getting there you're a big you're a big spice I, I eat a lot of i eat a lot of spicy food yeah, yeah. um so I, I generally sometimes i'll go like a couple months without eating anything just from what i'm eating at the time yeah and but your tolerance generally stays okay i think as long as you're eating spice food every couple of months i think you're fine yeah. but I, I i thoroughly enjoy it like you know yeah. i think i developed the tolerance for spices which is great because now you know as you travel and as you go along because you're developing the tolerance a bit yeah. more you kind of get a bit more adventurous into what you want to try as well yeah so it's great and then we got to australia and australia is i loved it it's this amazing country where especially for a chef where you have all the climates true so true. you're going from tropical food down to yeah. you know we were in melbourne mostly uh based when we worked and you have you know the same product as you get here so you get a variety that's just incredible um, mm. and yeah you you get to develop your skills as well and discover loads of new stuff that you don't have over here so yeah and then you <coughs> came back to see the lads in go again so yeah that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that was great <laughs> yeah uh came back to galway and look where what we were back maybe 15 years and yeah now we have kids and we settled and you know we live in a little village outside of galway when we discovered that we're not in our 20s anymore and yeah <laughs> price of houses is crazy and where are we going to find a house instead of giving our money down to the landlord so yeah 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 and at the time yeah we bought our house a couple of years back and it was great and now we're settled in the country style yeah. country lifestyle yeah it's nice. It's not so bad. Where's your uh, favorite Supermax in Galway? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, look, we've all done the Airspare one at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, uh, can't be proud about it, but uh, there's a brand new spanking one out on uh, Intium. Is there? <laughs> oh, yeah. Want to try? It's very Ooh, fancy. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, uh, I, like, I like Gort. I think Gort has a great Supermax. Give, give my mother uh, food poisoning. <laughs> did yeah. it? Gordon? Yeah. Did? yeah. Nah, she's just blaming it on she Supermax. She fucking... You, you talk to her sometime. <laughs> but she was not happy. I'll, I'll try the... Uh, where was it? Tum? Yeah, oh, the oh. one in Tum is very fancy because mm. she was the Supermax is brand new and they have the petrol station and stuff. And, I'll have to yeah. try that one. Yeah, very fancy. We stopped in the one in Lockray as well. Oh, yeah. Equally fancy at the time. I think they serve uh, Irish breakfast in that one. Oh, oh yeah. really? Yeah. So oh, it's that big kind of place. You know what? Yeah. In fucking Uktarard, they have a kebab. Supermax sell a kebab in Uktarard. Do they? Yeah? Yep. Wow. I know. If you and it's not bad. Lad, I will ask. 
I, I was thoroughly surprised. Looked at the menu. I was like, there's a fucking kebab. <laughs> Donut kebab. I was like, yep, I'm going to get it. And it's grand. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, say, um, since you came back, so that's when you came back to Galway after Melbourne, say, that was probably 15 years ago, would it? Yeah, I something say? like that. Yeah, yeah, I think we came back around 2005, 2006. And uh, say, has the... Um, the food industry and say has that, has it changed a lot in Galway in those 15 years would you say oh look massively yeah. yeah I think even even in the last 23 years that I've been on islands food has changed yeah oh definitely know? and also because people have changed mm-hmm. uh, people have travelled a lot more uh, and they wanted a, a slice of what they find abroad of course yeah. I think that's what you know people travelling is always good I think Irish people travel a lot mm-hmm. they do you know there is that fear that the kids are going to go away and never come back but there is also a great amount of people that do come back and come back with ideas and come back with different influence and they are looking for the same things that they've been traveling to so i think it's great because that's how society develops and that's how yeah. you know culture develops and that's how cuisine develops yeah a lot yeah absolutely. Uh, you have a lot of good guys in galway like you know you have just murphy and guys that's from new zealand you have you know the guys in JPS traveled to Spain, came back, you know, made Cava, uh, great story, you know, Ania came along, you have um, Looms that open with Enda and uh, Ian, um, the guys have traveled, came back, they came back with Michelin stars, they created Michelin stars, they have, you know, recognition across the world now, um, and it's great, but yeah. because they came back, they created something, and they also emphasize on the local culture yeah because you can travel away you can bring back a lot of stuff but you can't forget about what's here yeah i think that's what's important um even myself being here for so many years you know i've discovered a lot more people a lot more uh, producers that are local and i think there's so much that's here that we can use that's so would you have any like um particular favorites like uh, local or local producers that you would use like regularly say in the G or when you were working maybe in the Glen yeah there is loads of them um, look we use a lot of uh, there's a lot of cheese suppliers that are local uh, you have Kyle Moore uh, Farmhouse uh, Teresa is over there she's making great cheeses okay. um, they're excellent from cow cheese you have Larry Maguire who does uh, Galway goat cheese he he started to do cow's milk as well. Yeah. I think the story, the story was like, he was in his farm and he saw his neighbor's cow and that gave him an idea. Like, yeah, we could do couches too. Yeah, why <laughs> you not? Know, yeah, uh, Gabriel was on the Aran Island that does the tour buses as well, but he has goats and he does goat cheese as well. That's yeah. equally amazing. So he developed like a feta and a parmesan. You know, it's a dry... A dry cheese that's similar mm-hmm. to the parmesan but it's made from goat's milk it's oh, amazing yeah. uh but he'll take you on a tour if you go down and oh, yeah. bring you down to the farm and you know it's it's great still on, on the island is that in yeah, on the island yeah Inish, uh yeah in Inish, yeah Inishmore, okay yeah, yeah. yeah but he'll also bring you down to you know his mother in law's restaurants and, and what, what kind of goats does he have what breed do you know oh i have no idea okay <laughs> yeah the one with the horns and yeah, no, I know. Yeah, goes bad. Just wondering, I'm wondering which which are the best breed for for milk for yeah, cheese. My mo- my mother rang me the last day and she was like, "Oh, if I, w- she, my mother is 78, yeah, and she was wondering, would you be able to get me up the burn to see wild goats?" 
Oh yeah, you never. Can you drive around and find the birds? You need no, to be able to get out. No, it's a certain time of year they'll come down. Um, when when they have when when the, the kids, the kids are out. Yeah. yeah. Generally, you might be able to find them kind of, kind of in the lowlands, kind of right down from the mountain. But it's really hard to find those wild goats. They're an old Irish goat breed. I think they're called the old Irish goat. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they're just feral up there. But it's if if you want to find them, you're not going to find them. I've come across them once up Mullock Moor. Yeah. But like, you know, there's no way you're getting my 78-year-old no, mother no, up those. No, ones, so. no. But sure, if I'm driving around next time I see him, I'll let you know. Do, yeah. Drop a pin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is seaweed out on the Iron Island. Seaweed, um, yeah. Yeah, there is, look, there is loads of uh, farmers that produce excellent vegetables, especially around Galway. Um, Island Eddie potatoes. Have you tried uh, them? F- yeah. Ooh, they're lovely. The few puts uh my GM actually has a farm, so Oh <laughs> right. Does, yeah, he does potatoes too. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, loves the potatoes. <laughs> and uh who else do you have? Look, you have loads of local guys. I even worked with a forager that's yeah based in Clare. Yeah. Um brings all the stuff from the seashore up to the woods. Um yeah, excellent stuff. Yeah, we we had a guy on last week, um Owen Higgins and he brought us out and he said you know it's it's prime mushroom season now so yeah. he brought some chanterelles that he picked in Uttarard and is that it's something that's probably um, more popular now on, in high end food than something that you know people used to do probably a lot more common probably 70, 80 years ago has that become back in vogue now? Even more look mm-hmm. we all started as being hunter gatherer yeah. so it's yeah. all in our genes yeah, it's of course. just that we forgot about it mm-hmm. or most of us forgot about it and then you know is there a trend at the moment with forest stuff yes there is a big trend okay but look it's always been there yeah. i've been using forager and we forage myself for the last maybe 10 years or so yeah um so it's not new when you know about it yeah is it a bigger trend because it's kind of sexy now or whatever yeah it's sexy but you know what also is everything has gone so much more expensive <laughs> that's there is food that's for free and there is if i talk to the to our forager edward um he tells us but because they've been foraging in few places you can see the growth so because you're cutting and you're taking stuff and you're looking after the patches the yeah. patches have developed oh that's great so because you're not letting it die and it doesn't go anywhere and yeah, because you're yeah. cutting it because you're using it yeah it grows more so you're developing all those types of areas. So now he's, he's able to supply me with, uh, say, sandworth is one of the sea vegetables. He has been able to supply me all summer. That but, before it would have died in July. Yeah. But now it's only starting to die now. In so what do you say? Sandworth. Sandworth, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, what would be, that be akin to when you say it's a vegetable? It's a sea vegetable. So similar, it's a leaf. Is it, like, is it like Sampire? Yeah. Is if you similar? watch, yeah. Close, similar enough. Yeah. Not the same flavor, obviously, okay. but yeah. yeah. Sampire would be uh, sea vegetable. So you have different ones. You have sea fennel, you have sea beets. Sea beets are leaves. They're okay. growing quite well now. Yeah. Uh, they are very much in season now. You have sea radishes. If you were to go to the seashore, you'd probably see them and pass by them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, what does the sea radish you, look like? You know you can eat that. <laughs> <laughs> it's savage. If you only knew. <laughs> but uh, it's funny. One of the guys who used to forage quite a lot when I was in the lodge, and he used to go, come on, we go foraging. And 
you'll pass by you like do you not see oh yeah <laughs> and then you start eating it's like oh this is delicious like yeah yeah we've passed by at least 15 times Jeez. and you still haven't seen it <laughs> but yeah you need a keen eye on it as well and you need look you need to know what you're doing yeah um, i would say especially with mushrooms mm -hmm. you have deadly mushrooms out there so don't go and pick Oh, yeah, I have one advice. Don't go and pick anything that you don't know. You need to go out with the mycologist or yes. someone who knows exactly what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. You have the likes of um, Baliora Mushroom. Um, they are doing a foraging uh, event. Oh, and okay. They take you out and they take you out in the woods down in uh, Limerick, actually, in the Galtis. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think he's doing three events uh, in October and you can go and learn. Oh, so nice. you go with that sounds good. Actually. One of the best. Yeah. Somebody that goes out every single day of the year, foraging mushroom. So you pay your tickets, you go, you forage with them. I think it takes groups of like 10 or 15 people. Oh, nice. And you can literally take your bag and you can go forage yeah. and actually learn as you go along. He'll show you the deadly ones too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I know a few one. deadly ones. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's one type of mushroom that I know exactly what it is and it's grand. I can pick it at any time, you know. I have no problem identifying it, is what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, watch card. Um, uh, would you say, uh, so you worked in the Ardlan, you worked in out in Kong, you worked in Denlo, and now you're in the G. Has your um, food philosophy changed a lot in those time? How, did you have a pr particular one now that you're kind of de you've defined over these years? Or yeah, look, I'll. I always change but because you evolve i think with the people that you meet all the time mm -hmm. uh i'm probably the oldest person in my kitchen at the moment <laughs> you're not even that old like <laughs> i'm not even that old no yeah. <laughs> but you know like you're trying to bring people along with you as well and you are bring people of different cultures so i have a good few italians at the moment um but i have a new sous chef that uh, my last two sous chefs are irish they're Galway based and the last Jérôme is from Galway so and my junior sous chef is from Italy so we have a nice sit down and you yeah. can talk about food and food is different and they've both traveled so you know you change you evolve and your menu change but the one thing that I insist is we use local produce yeah okay so we use those local suppliers we've talked about we use the forager the guys are learning because they didn't really use foragers before until I came. Yeah. So now they are discovering new products. Uh, it's different and it's new and it's, you know, oh, what do we do with this? And yeah, yeah. So now we've been pickling and preserving all summer. So we're creating a new menu now for the winter. Oh, that's wonderful. We're using, you know, ramsoms that there's a caper berries from uh, wild garlic that you get in oh, okay. May and June. Yeah. So we'll be able to use them for the winter. Um, we got wild plums at the end of August that we've preserved for the winter menu so you know you're discovering new products and yeah. it's interesting and it become you involve all the young chefs that are starting as well so it's great and when you're developing a menu um how long is that process is that like that is, are you developing a, uh, a menu i would imagine it's ongoing isn't it it's yeah. ongoing like it's funny because you think when there is a new menu mm -hmm. that come in the restaurant you know oh it's exciting and it's a new menu and it's great i'm like when the menu is written it's actually going live i'm like right i'm bored i've worked on this oh, for oh, really? i'm sick of it <laughs> yeah already mm -hmm. what's next yeah <laughs> you know 
let's talk about something new because you know it will be exciting because the customers are are trying it and you know it's exciting for the customer so you you're excited because you're making them discover what you worked on for you know a month for your developing recipe over sometimes we talk about a recipe and then or we talk about addition we're not happy about it so it's not going to go it's not going to go on the menu but we're going to put it in the next menu and okay. yeah because you walk around it and you're like you're just not happy and it goes away the idea goes away and then mm -hmm. eventually you talk about it and go Ah, you remember what you talked about the last time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I, find, I find that idea and that could work, yeah. And there is an idea as well where you go a pub, in the pub across the road and you might write the menu overnight. <laughs> you know why? <laughs> because, you know, alcohol let loose and the ideas are flying and all of a sudden you're taking notes in the pub and you sit down the next day and go... Hey, those ideas are actually quite good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. yeah. Right drunk and it's over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, away. you have people who dream, who dreams and sit down and you know, they have an a page of paper beside the bed and a pen. True. Yeah, we do it in front of a pint and it's as good sometimes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um I know you've been doing you've done a, a bit of media in your in your day as well, so you've been on on the radio and you've been on TV too. How do you find that kind of that kind of side of things? Uh, it's interesting. It's not something that I've probably ever imagined I would do. Yeah. Uh, didn't really regards TV chef as, you know, being great inspiration in some of the programs that you see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think they depict some of the programs that are on TV. I don't think they depict what reality uh, of a kitchen. Maybe. Exactly what is the life in the industries and. I don't think they make any great effort to help the industry. Um, really? Okay. No, look, there is a few programs, don't get me wrong, that are very good. Yeah. You know, um, like the great uh, British menu and stuff like this. They bring excellent chefs to the table and they show you what they can do and stuff. And it's an amazing program. But then you've got the likes of MasterChef that, look, it's nice to watch at the TV if you have nothing else to watch. But... It doesn't bring what it is to be in a kitchen, you know. How uh, many people that I came out of MasterChef that have actually done something yeah. in the industry? Yeah. I don't think you can count them on more than one hand, probably. Uh, it's e easier to cook one dish once for three people than exactly. it is. Exactly. Waking up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning, going to work and actually working the whole day. Yeah. And then doing the same things the next day. It's something else. Yes. Yeah. You need to have the passion for it and you need to... Oh, definitely. Yeah. You need to be a little bit everybody. crazy, really, to be honest with you. Because I remember some of the chefs I worked with, they actually either burnt out completely or, you know, it was, as you said, a vocation. Yeah. And, you know, 10 years, 20 years later, they're even better than they were. So it's, it's, it's uh, peaks or troughs. Like. Yeah, no, it's true. Look, there is a lot of us that have burnt out. Uh, there is uh, covid I think made us realize as well for a lot of the guys that have been out there that there is a life outside the kitchen and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. nice and you do have a family yeah. and it's yeah, good yeah. to be connecting with people <laughs> in another way yeah. and it is okay to sit down outside in the sun and enjoy your pint with the lads, <laughs> you know, at a reasonable distance at the time for sure. But yeah, and I think a lot of us as well have developed this conscious of you know what you do need to look after yourself um it's no how do you say it um there is no big 
items that in our industry we do develop loads of bad habits yeah mm-hmm. maybe drugs alcohol smoking gambling whatever it is it's there it's not a myth it's there for everyone you know yeah. mm-hmm. um but we all look after each other as well mm-hmm. there is a great bond that you form into a kitchen where if somebody's struggling there is always somebody there that's there to help you and that i've been through those past experience and that yeah. will help you and i think you might not have this in all of the way of life probably and all the jobs um but look you do take a step back sometimes like we did in covid and go you know what we do need to look after ourselves and we do need to look after the stuff maybe a little bit better as well and i think it's changing in the industry and that's why there is a lot less people who wants to go into these jobs uh but i have a lot of young chefs in my kitchen that's cool and yeah and some started as kitchen porters and we try to get them to develop to understand that yes you are very eager yes you are only 18 years old and you can do 50 million hours a week and you're not going to be tired but (laughs) trust me when i say i am over 40 and (laughs) it doesn't last so enjoy while you can but do pace yourself do understand that there is a life outside of the work yeah you know you will you know find the time to open a book sometimes go to the cinema go for a pints with the lads yeah. and you know take your time work is work but there is more so outside nice. and yeah. you will still learn if you do eight hours or okay sometimes 10 hours but yeah look it's there and stay eager stay eager learn, <laughs> learn something else too I'm True. definitely True. always stay eager always so um so you're with the G now over a year, probably going heading in for two years. So yep. is there any kind of yeah big plans? I know you were doing kind of like a supper club thing there for a while. I don't know. Are you, are you still doing those kind of events? Yeah, we did uh, those events. Uh, they were amazing. Um, I'd like to bring them back. Now, you know, we've been busy in the summer and you realize like, okay, those events in the summer are maybe not suited as yeah. well as you would do. Um, so maybe in the winter... We had a few staffs that left as well, so he made organi- it made organizing those events a little bit more difficult. So, yeah, it's something to look back at for next year, Yeah, I think. Uh, I'd like to do one before the end of the year, <laughs> if possible. <Yeah>. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we have a great team now, and there is a few elements in the teams that have been added recently. So looking at projects like this makes everybody, you know, more eager and more creative as well which is great for the kitchens they were amazing events yeah <laughs> we <went> bananas <laughs> like what can we do let's go outside yeah. oh, all the guys no i don't want to go outside no no you'll see it's great it's great go see the critics and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> meet them yeah yeah and then from the first event where the guys didn't really want to go outside the third event we actually plated the desserts at the table Oh wow! So yeah, it's we went a bit bananas and created the dessert on the table, which was amazing. And yeah, that's great. You evolve, you know, always. So maybe the next one. It was a big project for the last one, but it didn't happen. <laughs> Thank God, I think. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> we, we went a bit OTT on this one. <laughs> was that the the foraging? That was the foraging, and yeah, it may still go ahead, but yeah, yeah there was some crazy ideas going yeah. on there yeah <laughs> we'll slaughter it right in front of you <laughs> <laughs> we want to fire off we are like yeah can we get dead animals and yeah. you know and, oh, apocalypse well, now style you know 
stuffed animals maybe in the created yeah, banquets yeah. you know that yeah. could be real and yeah like these always ideas yeah <laughs> I'm like were you say the way um, buddy prices have gone up for everybody now yeah so d- does that put the kitchen under pressure the, I suppose all, all your produce all the prices for everything yeah, has look, gone up too yeah um, everybody can feel it you know uh, we all have families you know uh, if we don't we all go out there and try to eat out every now and then or you go to the supermarkets and you can see that everything has gone up uh, for the restaurants the VAT has gone up by 4.5% oh wow yeah we went from 9% VAT on the 1st of September to 135 we feel the pinch as a customer will feel it because that's not something that we can absorb yeah uh, obviously over the past year or two you know with brexit and everything else that's going on uh, with the war in ukraine prices have gone sky high a lot of restaurants and hotel as much as we could we tried to absorb some of the price because we felt that it was hard on everyone but there is only so much you can absorb of course yeah and a four and a half percent hike on tax that's not something that you can absorb yeah. that mm-hmm. easily you know yeah uh, so prices have gone up now back to the foraging you know we do try to be smart in the kitchen yeah and try to find how can we make it more affordable for people to go out yeah so we look at you know cheaper cuts of meats uh in beef cheaper cuts of you know, easier stuff out there that people don't use. Mm-hmm. Uh, easier stuff that's more widely available. Uh, you're more season conscious, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, what's really in season? Of course, That yeah. we can get cheaper because it's in season. So we are trying to work really diligently with like the season and try to make it more affordable to it and try to bring down the cost. If we bring down our cost, then we're able to try to pass on the prices to the customers but then we have to try to pay our staff as well of course you know i put on my chef hat there (laughs) you know it's more expensive for everyone to live on but it's also more expensive for our staff to live on yes so we have to pay the guys a little bit more than what we were able to pay uh like not to give any numbers but say chef de party we are paying even as far as three years ago we're paying them now maybe five to seven thousand euro more a year well in the last three years but that's because you know life is more expensive Mm. uh there was a lot less staff after COVID. yeah yeah. let's be honest of course yeah and uh, you know the industry is known for not paying really really well but because if you start to pay a lot more money you have to put on find the money somewhere yeah well, to, to be honest, with you, it sounds like you look after your staff, though, and it's a good kitchen to work in. So, because yeah. that doesn't happen in every uh, every every facet of life, where your employer is going to look after you to that degree, like so. Yeah, look, I have good employers, and I think they understand, and we all very realistic of what needs to happen and what we need to do for our guys. So, yeah, I'm looking that way. I try to have a very good atmosphere in the in mm-hmm. the kitchen and with the restaurant as well. So, yeah, because the better the atmosphere you know it's the same everywhere yeah if the guy get on well between the kitchen and the restaurant and there is a good atmosphere and you have a good environment you're gonna feel it as a customer when you sit down yeah. you know if you wait an extra five ten minutes for something but you can see that the atmosphere is nice and 
the waiters are smiling at you and the food that's coming was maybe a bit slow but it's very good and you can see that there is this force so that's put in you have no problem paying price either mm -hmm. i don't mind waiting an extra 10 yeah, yeah 10 minutes and i know it's cooked and somebody took <laughs> the care that he needed to take and you yeah. know, shove it in the microwave somewhere <laughs> because you know this lad over there needs it now because <laughs> it does happen <laughs> Not in my kitchen. No, <laughs> no um, I actually have no microwave in the kitchen. <laughs> we got rid of it. So, so one last question: um, What would be the the dish that you're uh, most proud of that you've created? The question everybody asks. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, you meet a chef. Oh, what's your favorite dish? Yeah. What yeah. Do you love to cook? <laughs> um, look, I don't know. It's a it's still a hard question after so many years. Yeah. Um, I love to cook fish. Um, but I love to cook with like all the forage products that we use because they're always in season. Um, you are talking about mushroom. I love mushrooms. Geoals are in full season now. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of my favorite mushroom. Yeah. Um, yeah. That and end of the woods. It's really, really nice. Uh, even yeah, I'd as love to try a hen of the woods. Yeah. I never yeah. had any. I'd love to try oh, it though. Amazing. The flavors are just yeah. unreal. But look, even a simple omelet. With a couple of really nice mushroom in it. Out of this world, yeah. Yeah. But then again, a nice piece of tuber that's cooked on the bone, or even pan fried is just equally as good. Yeah. Yeah. Fish. I love fish. Perfect. Dom, thank no you worries. so much. Thanks a million. Really appreciate it. Loved it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, all right, that's it. All right. See you later.